Well, good morning. This morning we're reading together from God's Word, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed." Kathy. Morning. How is everyone? Tip top, I heard someone say. Awesome. Um, I hope you're having a good morning and special welcome to you if you're new or visiting or watching on the line. Um, we have been going through this series on everyday evangelism and I've been really encouraged. Uh, I'm in the th- Tuesday night group, and there's a bunch of people doing it who really find evangelism uncomfortable, and they're throwing themselves in to get equipped and uh, to think more about it. I get encouraged by us. You know, we had our men's event recently. So many men, even if their friends said no, invited someone to come along. I know there's a women's event coming on. I love the heart uh, for the evangelism that this church has. And it's a great to be a part of Fig Tree. Uh, we're going to have a think about this, ver- this passage in the context of evangelism. Uh, and so would you pray with me? Really important that we ask God to help us bring his word alive uh, in our hearts and our minds. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we look at this passage, that by your spirit you would bring it alive. Bring it alive in our hearts and in our minds, Father, that it may... Uh, ruminate in our lives. Uh, Father, bless our time together this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to tell you something. During, during uh, COVID times last year, we didn't run a lot of programs. We didn't run one of our programs, Creative Connections, which is a craft morning. And a lady turned up at church. It was only Adele and I who was at the office. And uh, this poor lady turns up at church with a bunch of tea bag tags. So 
What she's done is taken, you know, the little paper bits on the end of the tea bag? She's collected them all because uh, apparently if you save them all up, you can swap them from a wheelchair. So she's set up a church. She says, look, um, has somebody, can, you, can I give this to you? She's got these massive bags of tea bag tags. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do with them. I don't know. What's the deal? Who? What do you do with them? I asked. She says, oh, you give them, and, they, and someone gets a wheelchair for them. What a lovely thing to do. But I'm like, how does teabag tags translate to a wheelchair? And I was just a bit suspicious over it, and I sort of, I didn't think too much about it. I was like, sure, I'll take the bag. Adele will know it. And I walk in, and I'm like, Adele, what's the deal with these teabag tags? It just doesn't sound right. She's like, it's a scam. There's no such thing. It's an absolute you know, it's made up. People keep it. And I felt so bad for this lady because can you imagine every time she has a cup of tea, she's unscrewing the little tea bag tag. She's putting it in her purse. She's, her purse is probably stained from tea from all the bags. She's probably asking her friends. She's probably carrying tea bag tags around with her everywhere she goes. I don't know how. I mean, there are hundreds of them. Oh, no. It's disturbing. I had a look online. I'm like, maybe, maybe I was wrong. You know, maybe it's not a thing. I, here's the website for Lipton. If anyone knows, Lipton Tea is going to know. And there's someone asking the question, what's the deal with these tea bag tags? And uh, they respond, hi, Zilla, who's asked this question. Yes, there's been some communication around Lipton Tea Bag sponsored fundraising project for a wheelchair. It's been going around for years. We've never been able to find its origin. This fundraising project is not sponsored by Lipton's. So there's the proof, direct from Facebook, if that's a good source of proof. Um, but here's the point. This lady had thought that to save up teabag tags, she would be able to raise money for a wheelchair. And so that what she thought was fact dictated her actions. What she thought was her truth dictated how she lived. And it's the same with us, isn't it? What we think is fact and truth dictates what we do, how we live. And when I heard about this, I was like, oh, it just doesn't sound right. It sounds a bit dodgy. I don't know if this is true. So Adele um, helped me figure it out. Paul, in the same way, in this passage that uh, is being read to us, we're going to have a look at today, Paul uh, is thinking the same thing about the Corinthian church. He notices in the, in, with the Corinthian church, there's things about them that just doesn't seem right. I'm seeing it in their actions. And so the letter of the Corinthians, he goes through a whole lot of family issues uh, for them. And one of the big issues is people who say there's no resurrection. And so Paul says, you know what I need to do? Let's come back to the foundational facts uh, of the church in Corinth and let's revisit them to help clarify the facts as they will affect how you live. So he starts the passage. He says, Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you've received and by which you've taken your stand. It's by this gospel you were saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. Paul's saying, uh, this gospel message, this core message, I want to come back to it because this is the foundation. Now, when I get my coffee at Kiss and Drop, and I'm at that set of lights on London Drive near Hungry Jack's, has anyone been watching them slowly build this 
house there? Does anyone travel through there? Yeah? I'm always like, I'm waiting at the lights, I turn right, and I say, oh, yeah. and I watched the majors, I was fascinated how they built the foundations. They mounted up the dirt, they spent a long time, and they do that, don't they, when they build a house, because they want the house to stand strong. Paul's saying, for us in our faith, for the faith that you have and we have, it relies on a strong foundation. So he says, this is what I passed on to you as of first importance. And what he's what he's going to share with them is something that he received. Um, it's understood that when Paul, three years after his conversion, spent time with Peter, um, spent time uh, uh, with some of the other disciples, and actually went through what is the gospel, what is the truth? Is it really true what happened to Jesus? Um, what are the facts? And the creed, they shared with him this creed that was probably used within the early church that he is going to uh, share with us. Paul uh, had a pattern. He could summarize the gospel well. And he, when he says, what I received, I passed on to you, he's going to share it. But already the Corinthians would have remembered this creed that they would have known, just like the creeds that we share. And so here he goes. This is the creed. This is what he passes on. Firstly, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Jesus Christ died. He was beaten. His hands were nailed to a cross. His feet was nailed to the cross. We're going to come and think about this more on Good Friday. Jesus died. But not just for his own sins. Jesus died for your sin. Jesus died for my sin. He didn't die for his own sin. Peter says this. Peter, who spent more than three years with him, said he committed no deceit and no, uh, so no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Jesus was sinless. He didn't go to the cross for his own sin. Jesus died for our sins. And the night uh, before he went to the cross, in that what we celebrate in communion, Jesus says, this is my body, which is about to go to the cross, given for you. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. This is what he wants us to remember. And uh, not only that, uh, it was according to the scriptures. And I think what Paul has in mind is maybe one of these passages about the suffering servant in Isaiah, written 600 years before. Again, uh, this was Jesus dying on the cross for our sins was according to the scriptures. Listen to this. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Uh, It goes on, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. This was written 600 years before Christ. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, it wasn't an accident. This was part of the plan. This was anticipated. This was a plan all along. So Paul wants to remind uh, the Corinthians what they're trusting in, that Jesus died... He died for our sins, and it was according to the Scriptures. It was according to God's plan. But not only that, he was buried. And I was reading through this, and I'm thinking, why does Paul emphasize that Jesus was buried? Paul wants to say, not only did Jesus die, I want to really prove it to you, Jesus was buried. And he reminds us that Jesus was put in a tomb for three days. 
He wants to make it really clear. I went fishing, as I usually do. I feel like I always make fishing illustrations. I probably shouldn't. But anyway, I caught a fish, nice beautiful brim, and I put it in a plastic bag, and I kept on fishing, and then a few hours later, I finally get home. You're going to hate me for this. When I got home, I opened the plastic bag. The fish was still breathing. Oh, please hate me. Um, I'm not cruel. I didn't do it. It tasted delicious, though. Um, but some people think, you know, I was shocked it was still alive. Some people think that, oh, you know, maybe Jesus didn't really die. Maybe he went into some coma. Paul says, no, he was buried. He was buried. Jesus was dead. It wasn't in a coma like that fish. Jesus was buried. Um, he really was dead. And, but more than that, on three days, he was raised to life. He became fully alive again. That's what we celebrate at Easter. Now you might be asking, he, he, he came from the dead? Where's the proof? Where's the proof? Um, Danny Wong. Apparently, imagine if Danny, I'm going to pick on you for a second, Danny, because I love you. Imagine if Danny Wong died on Friday. Oh, I'd be sad. But guess what? He came alive on Saturday. Now, I'm telling you this. Do you believe me? Maybe? Nah. No, you probably wouldn't believe me because it's just my word against, he looks pretty alive in there. Did he really die? Nah. You know, one person's testimony, uh, it's not really, it's, it's doubtful, you know. In a court of law, one person, you can convict somebody, uh, but you really need more evidence. It's a bit questionable, one person. Here's the thing. Not only uh, uh, did is Paul saying it? Paul saying he appeared to Cephas. Cephas is the Aramaic for Peter, so he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. Not only did he appear to one person, he appeared to twelve. And you might still say, "Well, is it really true? Is it really true?" Well, guess what? Uh, did Danny really die and rise again? Imagine if you know you were questioning that, but then all these people came to you and said, "We saw Danny down at Westfield at, at Fig Tree Grove on Saturday." You know, P person after I saw Danny strolling down to Chico's. You know, all these people it would add to the proof. Paul says this. Not only that, after he after that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time. That'd be pretty hard to fake, wouldn't it? Paul is saying. Jesus died and he rose again. And here's the proof. All these people have seen him. In fact, if you, you know, if you, don't just take my word for it. Now, this happened about 20 years later since Paul's written this uh, letter. Don't take my word for it. There are people who are around who were there. They saw it. You can go chat to them. It's like us saying, you know what, if you don't believe in September 11, it was only 20 years ago, there are people who are in New York on that day still around. Go and chat to them. Find out. Go and chat and find out what happened. Um, the proof is there. Go and do it. Then uh, it says he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And Paul says, and last of all, he appeared also to me as one abnormally born. What Paul is saying with abnormally born, he's saying, you know what? If you're an apostle, you've been commissioned by Jesus. I didn't get, you know, I didn't live with Jesus. I didn't do that. But you know, Corinthians, that Jesus appeared to me after his ascension. I'm an apostle. And you guys know, because I'm well known, that I was persecuting the Christians. But my life changed. So as the final proof, he adds to the creed, take my testimony. 
says Paul. Look at God's work in me uh, as a proof. I'm the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace was not without effect. I worked harder than all of them, but not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Paul's saying, he's sharing his testimony, isn't it? He's saying, let my testimony be a proof of the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Paul's saying, it doesn't matter how you learned it, I shared it with you, or if someone else did, you put your trust in these facts of the gospel. You put your trust on the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. That's what you put your trust in. And that's what brings you salvation. If you're here or watching this morning and you haven't put your trust in Christ, don't you put your trust in me or the church. Put your trust in these facts of the person of Jesus dying on the cross to save you for your sins. That is salvation. That is salvation. And as we're thinking about this in terms of evangelism, what does it mean uh, for us? There's implications here. Firstly, it's a reminder to us this morning, our faith is actually based in fact. Christianity, it's not a philosophy. Our sins were paid for in a certain geographical space in a certain chronological time. It means if I feel guilty for my sin, I think, God, how can you forgive me? I can look back to the place and the time 2,000 years ago that... A man, fully God, died on a cross for my sins. I know that they were taken care of on the cross. You can have that certainty too. And if our faith, uh, if it's not based on fact, it's actually useless. If it's not based on fact, uh, we lack the anchor to our faith, don't we? In fact, all these facts of the gospel are not true, we really don't have a faith. Paul says this, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Ponder this, if Jesus didn't rise again, we wouldn't be forgiven for our sins. Our sins would still be held against us we'd be ready for condemnation. Not only that, you getting up and being here on a Sunday morning, it's a waste of time. In fact, this church, 100 years of ministry here, we're going to celebrate 50 years as a parish, waste of time. Chloe, ministry figgy high, waste of time. In fact, worse than that, woe is me for standing here and sharing with you false truths. Woe to me. Woe to all of us if there is no resurrection of Jesus, then it's an absolute waste of time. In fact, Paul says, if the dead are not raised, let us eat, drink, and tomorrow we don't. Let's get out of here. Let's go down to the cafe. Let's live it up. Because it's a waste of time. Thank God our faith is not based uh, on philosophy. Our faith is based on fact, and we can put our trust in Jesus. This is an encouragement to me too, because... These facts should impact us. Because Jesus did die and rise again, it means we have that anchor. 
It means that out of that, it should affect us. It means we can be thankful to God. We should have a thankfulness. It means that we can look, base our lives not just on this life, but on the life to come. It means those Christians suffering in Ukraine right now have a hope of a life to come, even if terrible things are happening. It means that we can forgive others because we have been forgiven through Christ. It should impact the priorities of our life, how we spend our money, where we send our kids to school, how we spend our time, how we face hardships. It has an impact. And I've got to say, if you're watching this or if you're not watching this because you're feeling apathetic, maybe after COVID, this is my encouragement. Go back to this passage. Go back and think through the facts of the gospel, the facts that Jesus died and he rose again. Let that water wash over you afresh. Don't be apathetic because otherwise we just live for eating and drinking and having a good time. Let the truth of Christ wash over us. And remember, um, by this gospel, it's this gospel we're saved if we hold firmly to the word that was preached to us. Otherwise, we believed in vain. And it's this gospel that we need to ask people to put their trust in. Think about this. For people to become to Christ, they need to have a sense of openness. We need to pray for our friends and our family and our community to be open to the gospel. But at some level, for people to respond to the gospel, they actually need to have some base knowledge. And that's why this is a great passage, a great creed. People actually need to know the basic facts of the gospel, that Jesus died was buried, but rose again to offer us that eternal life. People need to have a basis of knowledge. Once they have a basis of knowledge, then they can decide, well, do I agree with it? Maybe, yes, I don't know, I have my questions. And am I willing to put my trust in it? Some people, I was talk- some people have different ideas. I was talking to someone, one of our uh, members of this congregation who I saw in the supermarket yesterday, and they shared of a friend of theirs who perceived that their friend prayed for them and the prayer was answered. And they were so, th- maybe your Jesus is someone I can put my trust in, you know. They were, really ex- they were really, you know, they acknowledged that maybe Jesus answered the prayer. And some people say, well, you know, I'm going to put my trust in a, a God who answers prayer. But imagine if the next time they thought they didn't answer, God didn't answer their prayer, would they turn away? They're not putting their trust in uh, the basis of the facts. We want people to have their anchor as the facts and knowledge of God. We want to help people move through. And when we're in churches, you know, for some of you, this is not new for you. You've read this passage. You know these facts. But we have to remember that so many people, in fact, I have so many conversations with people who do not know the facts about Jesus, even in Australia, who don't have just someone who is actually willing to share the facts of Jesus with them. Check this out. This is from a Crindle research from 2017. I bet it's still relevant. One in 29 Australians have never heard of Jesus. 28% know very little or nothing about the basic facts of the gospel. A 24%, a moderate amount, and it's increasing in our young people. This is why we have, we have to support Chloe, our SRE teachers. Teach people the basic facts of the gospel. 
Uh, here's some research uh, that was done by Lifeway, and it just came out last week. I got to be a part of this process. It was really cool. This is America, but I wonder if this is relevant for us. Six out of ten say that many of their friends who came, claim to be Christians rarely talk about their faith. We're really good at talking about all the other things around it. We can talk about church. Do we ever share with our friends the basic facts of Jesus? So many people write God off. I have these conversations, even with people really close to me. I'm writing God off because of what, who they think God is. And when you talk with them, they ha- don't have the right understanding. They don't have all the facts of the gospel. We want to help. Part of the process has to be to acknowledge. We want to help people know the basic facts of the gospel. Uh, the survey also said 40% say they wouldn't think about faith on their own if a friend or family member didn't bring it up. Let us do everything we can to pray, look for those opportunities, and to help our friends know the basic facts of the gospel. Paul says this, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Paul is saying, what you put your trust in wasn't me, it wasn't the church. You put your trust in these core facts of who Jesus was. If people are going to come to Christ, it's not going to be trusting in us. They need to put their trust in Jesus' life, his death, his burial, his resurrection for salvation. That's what we need to encourage people to do. So I think, you know, Paul had this pattern for sharing his faith. Life, death, burial, resurrection. He shared that. And when he said, I want to remind you uh, of the gospel I preached, they would have recognized that. Paul had a pattern he shared. Having a track, having a pattern to share is so helpful uh, to do. Um, maybe you can remember that. Maybe you want to say to your friend, and I got to do this last year, it's so good. We're going to talk about it later in the year. Maybe you just want to read through a gospel with someone. Read through the facts of Jesus. You don't even have to know anything. All you've got to do is read the Bible with someone if they're willing. Here's the thing, though. It's not always easy. It might be hard. I'll finish off with this teabag lady because when I heard about this and I, Adele said it's not true. I had a choice, didn't I? I can be like, I'll oh, just let her go. It doesn't matter. But what would happen if I did? She's going to keep on collecting those teabag tags, isn't she? And you know what's going to happen in a year or two? She's going to come back. And she's going to say, what happened to my tab? Have I got a wheelchair? She's going to be like, and I've got some more. And I'm going to have even more disappointing news for her. What was the choice I had? Do I just let it go? Or do I come and chat to her? And I had to humble myself. And I'm like, excuse me. I had to knock on the door before she, before she drove off. Excuse me. Look, I've got some bad news. It's a, let me tell you the facts you've got. They're not true. It's a scam. It's not true. So I'm going to have to go put them in the recycle. Do you want them back? I'm going to have to recycle them. I wish I'd kept them for today, though. It would have been handy. Um, I had to share those, the facts with her. There's a level for us that people aren't going to come to Christ if they don't know the facts. And in all the ways we can, we want to help people know the basic facts of the gospel. It's hard because she had to go, oh, I've trusted in something and now I have to let go. She may have gotten angry. 
She may have said, no, it's not true. She might have been in denial and still be collecting teabag tags. That's up to her. But for us, we want to continually come before people and present the truth of the gospel. It takes courage. We might get pushback. But with grace and truth, we want to share the good news of the life, death, and resurrection as the, the anchor point that people can also put their trust in and receive salvation. Will you pray with me we can do that? Yeah, Father, you've given us this great gospel. The life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Not only that, Lord, uh, just like Paul had a testimony, you're also at work in our lives. Father, would you help us to share that? Father, for those that don't even know the basic facts about Jesus, will you help us to help people know the core facts of Jesus? Help us to have an opportunity as a church in our everyday lives, Lord, to help people just know those facts. Father, and may our friends and our family that don't know you put their trust in what you've done on the cross that they may know the forgiveness and the life eternal and the peace and the joy that we have too. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.